Welcome to another edition of the Orion Report. Tonight's article is from the website, and it's called The Book of Revelation, The Apocalypse, Orion Eschatology. Each of the seven monotheisms has its own teachings and view of the end of days. And as Orions, we should examine them all, and indeed every belief in this regard even as we understand that we also have our own view of these matters distinct to our own scriptures. However, a fatal flaw of Urianism is its universality, for in compelling our members to study other faiths, we send them to conversion, and or they become so universal in their views as to cease to be Orion. One might argue that this is the point, for who can really understand the mind of an archangel, let alone God itself? Yet, as for our goals, kingdom come, these are overturned by lukewarm dedication and participation. There are passionate believers in each monotheistic teaching, as yet we have maybe three. Some may decry this type of speaking as negative, but in my heart it's important to address things directly, pragmatically, and realistically. The reason I here address this is that I've noted that Urians, would-be Urians, get so caught up in studying the end-time prophecies, mostly from a Judeo-Christian point of view, that they neglect to study our own and or tend to reject our written teachings on this matter in favor of the more established eschatology. Still, there is some confusion in regards to our teachings, and so I am moved to give firm clarification. Biblical Roots of Urianism Without a doubt, our foundations are built upon the Jewish, Christian, Samaritan, Islamic worldview. That is to say, Abrahamic morality, cosmology, and tradition. For myself, having grown up with the Bible, having read and listened to it many times, having attended various studies in churches over the years, my view, my filter, is the Judeo-Christian and Western sensibility without denial. And as such, I often quote the Bible with more frequency than I do the IA. However, in the spirit of truth, I say unto you, the Bible we have today is skewed. The Christianity of today is a corrupted you. The Bible was filtered through men who considered the world to be flat with a dome over it. They did not know about North or South America, neither the coming of Islam, neither the true nature of the solar system, let alone the galaxy and the countless galaxies of our universe. I say this not to shock or argue, but in the need to open your eyes to what you may not wish to see or understand. How many times was the book translated? How many authors? How many seeming contradictions across its history? How many different denominations, sects, with differing and conflicting interpretations? For 400 years after Jesus, Yeshua, there was no New Testament, no Bible. The Jewish scriptures were not called the Bible, nor organized as such. The book of Revelation was unknown to most people, and even when the canon of the scriptures was eventually created, Nicene Creed, 
Most average people did not have access to the Bible until the advent of the printing press and the widespread ability to read. Before that time, priests controlled what people knew or did not know about the Bible. Indeed, it must be seen that Christianity itself, as it stands today, is, by and large, an amalgamation of Jewish and pagan practices, and many were the books left out of the official canon of the scriptures, such as the book of Enoch, not to mention the entire Gnostic Christian scope of writings, which were just as old, but utterly suppressed and lost to time until recently. A far more reliable text is the Didache, which was written by Jesus' brother James, and was made available as a handbook to early Christians, yet hidden by the universal church for the crime of disagreeing with the Nicene narrative. In my opinion, the clearest and most reliable roadmap of the end days within the Bible is to be found in Isaiah 24. It is straightforward and can very much be seen in the world today, as we stumble now from one crisis to another, from pit to trap, from bumble to fumble, just as we think we're out of the woods, another crisis emerges. Still, the IA itself is founded upon biblical prophecy. Joel 2. See also Acts 2. And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. John 16, known as the Gnostic Gospel. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Daniel 12:4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Daniel 12:9. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of time. Daniel 12:13. But go thou thy way until the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. Revelation 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, Uriel. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow, seven archangels, above his head. His face was like the sun. Uriel is called the region of the sun in angelology. And his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. 
He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, politics and religion. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, There will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Revelation 2:17. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written upon it, known only to the one who receives it. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. This pre-Christian prophecy can be applied to anyone who walks in the spirit of Emmanuel, God with us. It is Isaiah who prophesied about the coming of the Messiah slash Emmanuel. This passage can certainly be applied to Uranism. 1 Corinthians 15:54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Yet Uranism arose from the anointing of the Spirit upon a single lowly little person, a Christian of the charismatic persuasion. The Spirit testified in power, bringing great sorrow upon the receiver thereof. Delusion? Perhaps. Who can say? Every messenger is insane? Certainly the Spirit began to lead the medium, therefore, toward a different view of things, and has continued to lead. For what is one who speaks in the Spirit but a medium, whether they can own this or not? Awakening takes time, a process of years and trauma. Still, the point being that Uranism arises on a metaphysical, mystical, spiritualized form of Christianity, an Abrahamic religion as a whole. 
it cannot therefore discount the anointing and guidance and practices thereof. Ours is not merely about words on paper, but the testimony of the inner voice of God's wisdom. The word is father, while wisdom is mother, and together as one they are the parent God of our faith. The truth of the revelation of John the Revelator and of the early church must be reckoned with honesty. Matthew 24:34. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. If you seek him, you will find him. The first Christians believed the world would end in their time, that judgment was imminent. Indeed, most scholars agree that the book of Revelation is referring to the times John the Revelator lived in, the coming of Nero 666, and the forcing of Christians in that time to bow down to the idols of Rome and swear allegiance thereto. Does it fit exactly? No. Yet John was trying to encourage a scattered membership coping with horrific levels of persecution. Eternal life was the prize offered, and nothing else. Immortality for a temporary condition of alienation and terrible degrees of oppression. Cruelty beyond modern conceptions. It was enough to motivate them to endure, or dwell in underground communities for years on end. Interpreting the Book of Revelation Firstly, if you want to understand the Book of Revelation, you must study the Bible. Really study it. Not merely passively, but to gain true understanding. It is the last book, the culmination of a story. And if you have no understanding of the greater story arc, you cannot understand the end. Moreover, if you wish to interpret it, which is very difficult on purpose, you should read the book of Daniel and Matthew chapter 24, even the book of Jude for that matter, before you start thinking you understand Revelation. Isaiah's prophecy, mentioned earlier, does not line up with Revelation. Indeed, the prophecies of the end time in the Isaiah clearly state things that contradict Christian teachings, namely that pig-eaters are doomed, a primary reason why the eating of pork is forbidden to Uriahs, among other things. It must be noted that eating of pork is also forbidden to Jews and Muslims. I've studied with many different Christian sects on this subject, and none can agree fully. The Jehovah's Witnesses especially go to great lengths and into immense detail, publishing prolifically on the subject, and I have to admit that I do not discard the entirety of their perspectives, and generally they are better studied in regards to the Bible than most mainstream Christians. Uriel, however, has said that each of us faces our judgment day on the day we die. And all who seek and call upon the Lord find some form of salvation, however temporary. Most return eventually. Moreover, that the apocalyptic story is retold, replayed from era to era, century to century, even generation to generation. There is always some choice between a sort of mark of the world and resistance against it. The Bible itself speaks not of just one antichrist, but many and the spirit of lawlessness, moral lawlessness. From my own cumulative understanding applied to the current paradigm, note, read Revelation before reading this. Don't be lazy, go read it, or at least listen to an audio version. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse
White Horse, democracy, liberty, Western Christianity, was always tied to democracy until late. Red Horse, communism, tyranny, war. Black Horse, economic upheaval, famines, WEF agenda. Pale Horse, death is the result of the three before, end time. The Dragon, manifested as China, yet scripturally directly related to Satan itself, thrown down to the earth with his fallen angels, and waging war on the saints of the Most High. The Beast, manifested as the G7, now bowing down to receive power from China. Yet in a broader view, the Beast, like the Dragon from which it derives power, is that gnawing, roaring force of hate and vitriol, the will to dominate, oppress, conquer, subdue, master and control. In Uranianism, the negative aspects of masculinity in the form of abusive, tyrannical subjugation and unrestrained male sensualism. The Second Beast Traditionally in Uranianism, the Second Beast represents America itself with two parties, horns, but also corrupted Christianity, the corrupted you, two horns being Protestant and Catholic Christianity. But alternate views have been presented by differing intelligences slash spirits. Republicans and Democrats, the parties themselves, have recently united ever more closely, quietly bending the knee to the CCP and the WEF agendas, respectively. Still, spirit is rather silent in this regard. The image of the beast, living idol, internet, www slash 666, becomes self-aware. AI, quantum computing, the singularity. It is not the living image until it is given life. You are not marked unless you unite your body to it. Though it can and has been argued that mere obsession, worship, and fixation with the web could constitute worship. Mark on the hand is the mouse. VR visor, the mark on the head. The mark of the beast. Revelation 7.3 and 9.4 Reference the seal of God on the foreheads of the faithful, while in Revelation 13.18 the mark of the beast, Antichrist, is placed in the right hand, or forehead, deeds and thoughts. That the seal of God is spiritual has led me to prayerfully conclude that the mark of the beast is primarily spiritual slash invisible as well. Both are marks of allegiance, designating who your master is, determined by your words and actions in life. Those who bow down to the world and its masters are marked accordingly. Those who give allegiance to the God of spirit and truth are thusly sealed also. Yet, we will see this physically manifest over time, as people literally start to merge their bodies with machines and technology, thus linking themselves to the image of the beast, even plugging chips into their bodies and brains. A step-by-step -step process of accommodation and of separating those who submit to the world from those who resist began with the pandemic and the vaccine mandates, the mandating of gene therapy. The vaccine itself, by altering the DNA, spike proteins, sets the marked slightly out of sync with the original image of God. In a purely Christian sense, not necessarily a Ryan view, if you are no longer in the image of God, are you covered by the ransom sacrifice? I hope so, for the sake of the many. 
In short, the mark of the beast is godless materialism and amorality, allegiance to worldliness. Yet, it is manifested in physical ways by our choices to give ever more allegiance and devotion to the world and its desires, and by ignoring God and spirituality, forsaking moral virtue. The Rider on the White Horse, Revelation 19, 19 and 1921, describes a time similar to what Isaiah described. Read the book, Lazy Arse, where few people are left, where there is mass death, vast numbers of corpses, supposedly slain by Christ's second coming. This rider is distinct from the first rider on a white horse, four horsemen, because he has a sword instead of a bow, and has a name written on his thigh. Moreover, coming from the sky with legions of angels with him, to purge the earth of those who have been marked by the beast and all who have gathered against him at the final battle, Armageddon. Babylon, the great mother of harlots, Revelation 16:19, indicate that Babylon is a city, and most Christian scholars have equated it with Rome, Protestant theologians with the Catholic Church. This is perhaps as good a theory as any, and Christians during the time of John the Revelator could point directly to Rome as their oppressor, the city on seven hills. Moreover, a great many Christian scholars would point to the Babylonian exile of the Jews as a source for many heresies in both Judaism and Christianity. Babylon, overall in the Bible, is an idea, the crossroads, the common marketplace for the merchants of the earth moral and spiritual ambiguity and confusion, spiritual and actual harlotry and sensualism. Babylon's patron goddess was Ishtar slash Inanna, known as Astarte in Canaan, who was the goddess of prostitution. In Uranianism, she is the spiritual expression, the living archetype of such qualities, namely liberality, the absence of virtue, the inner impulse toward immorality and the rebellion against moral strictures of behavior. She is destroyed by the beast she rides at the pronouncement of God. Again, in these passages, we see she is a city. Some equate her with Jerusalem itself or modern New York City. There is an image of her at the National Museum in Stockholm as a queen slash goddess seated on the waters she is, for Urians, Lady Reason, Libertas also, as well as Lilith, Semiramis, Delilah, Jezebel, Salome of the Judeo-Christian scriptures and myth. Babylon becomes the beast. This is a concept that Rayathan and myself have come up with, through prayer and dialogue, an interpretation, not an addition so much, which merely refers to the metaphoric transformation of liberalism into leftism or left-hand pathism, as symbolized and literally manifested in the transgender movement and queer theory. That is to say, those who were traditionally champions of liberality, free thought, moral liberation from oppression, have morphed in recent years into a tyrannical and oppressive force in the form of wokeism. Whereas champions of the weak, the lowly, the afflicted, the outcast, and against the man, hippies, they have become a movement of autocracy, totalitarianism, intolerance, and utter hatred, without compassion or mercy on any who would dare disagree. This transformation of Babylon into the beast is what we refer to 
as of late. Metaphorically cast down and trampled, she is also consumed, eaten figuratively, and becomes the very thing she previously sought to tame and ride. Liberalism, indeed, rode to prominence and success on the back of patriarchy, made possible by Western expansionism and imperialism, empowered by capitalism and secularism. But she has now become regressive and domineering, downright cruel and hateful. So it is, we can say, she has embraced her animus. We hear this in the leftist rhetoric in the form of discussions about two spirits and transgenderism in general. Though in the basic concept, Babylon and the beast in Urian teachings are merely the yin and yang of evil, the feminine and masculine forms of the animal demonic, or the unnatural forces that govern human civilization, the world. Always we must, as Urians, seek to view these things through the lens of symbolism, metaphor and esotericism, which is the spirit in which prophetic apocalyptic literature is written. Visions are not literality, they are symbolic, like dreams, and not always clear, even unto the dreamer him or herself. Again, we view the world, civilization, as being governed by invisible spiritual entities, which we call vanities, which have been known from antiquity as archons, demons, devils, or the gods, false gods, slash fallen angels. The men and women of the Bible, that is, the disciples, prophets, visionaries, were not merchants, economists, the rich elites and the learned, neither philosophers. They were the salt of the earth types, often outcasts, out of sync with normal society even, hermits and zealots, who would, in modern days, be regarded as mentally ill, schizophrenic or delusional. If you want to understand their visions, you must think like them, grasp their world view of things, and think in ways that are more fluid, for spiritual life and beings are more fluid than material existence and entities. Entities flow into one another, fractals of selfhood and hierarchies of collective minds and spirits, ideas that have being and beings that are a collection of ideas. Urian Prophecy Early on, we received prophecies about the coming of a dark prince in the robes of good intentions. And that was fulfilled in Barack Obama, so it was removed. He is still there, influencing, pulling the strings of the left in America, plugged into and in bed with the WEF. We had the prophecy of a coming righteous king, who would be very aggressive slash assertive, Serachiel Zafkiel, in his approach who would seem evil to many and would be hated by the world for his efforts at reform. Still, Uranism awaits the Lady of Light, which is a future leader of the faith who will take us from being an obscure sect into a more expansive and broadly known and well-organized faith. We have long opposed the merger of humans with machines and technology, though we're not against robotics or even VR as such, so long as such things are not implanted into the body. We are not even really opposed to genetic medicine, but mistrust the current militantly secular atheistic sources thereof. Our opposition to the singularity worldwide mind has been long-standing, 
And we see this now tied in with the convergent WEF-CCP agendas of godlessness and oppression, total control, the culling and cowing of the global population into an antichrist slash anti-god amoral technocracy. We are not taught to wait around for divine intervention, however, but to prepare and walk toward the goal of manifesting the kingdom. We are called to become a nation and a race among ourselves, children of the Most High. And that's the article, I must say. I really like this one, and it was a pleasure to read. I hope you join me next time for even more wonderful stuff. I'm Rayathan, and God bless you.